It's good to be with you. Uh, thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support of us as missionaries out in Albania. Uh, it's good to meet some of you who pray for us who I haven't met before. So that's why it's good to be back uh, from time to time. Uh, Covid, of course, stopped us coming back before that, but uh, it's good to be back to see you and uh, to uh, get a chance to be back in Aberdeen. I did say to Paul I'd give him one day. I said uh, I I can preach one day, so uh, the fact that I'm preaching three times, I did volunteer. So don't, uh, don't blame the church leaders. Anyway, to Revelation. I realize now you're doing Revelation, you're coming to do Revelation. I won't tell you what Revelation is all about, or my opinion of what Revelation is all about. I will mention some things, but uh, I won't go into that. But uh, you can find out when you come to the the study in Revelation here. Uh, But verse number 12, Jesus is speaking. And he says, See, I am coming soon. My reward is with me to repay all according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. It's interesting, there's three times in Revelation that uh, it said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. You could argue one time maybe God is speaking, but certainly uh, here it's Jesus' words. He says, see I'm coming soon. My rewards with me to repay all according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first, the last, the beginning and the end. In the Greek alphabet, Alpha, the first letter, Omega, the last letter. It would be like us saying from A to Z. And it's interesting that Jesus uses that title for himself. I am the first and the last. Because if we go back into the Old Testament and God's dealings with the world through one people who were the Jews, Israel, when God speaks to them, God says that he is the first and the last. If you look into Isaiah, just three, if you've got your Bibles, if you've got Isaiah chapter 41, there's three chapters very close to each other. And God says three times, I am the first and the last. In verse 4 of chapter 41, he says... Who has done such mighty deeds directing the affairs of the human race as each new generation marches by? It is I, the Lord, the first and the last. I alone am he. And to chapter 44, verse 6. This is what the Lord, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty, says. I am the first and the last. There's no other God. And to chapter 48, I think it's verse 12. Listen to me, O family of Jacob. Israel, my chosen one. I alone am God, the first and the last. So when we see God's dealings with Israel in the Old Testament, God uses a name for himself and he says, I am the first and the last. So when Jesus comes on the scene and Jesus says, I am the first and the last. Either he's disputing God's claim and saying, you're not the first and the last, it's me. Or else, as I believe, he's saying, I am God. I am the first and the last. And I am declaring to you that the whole plan of God to send a redeemer, a saviour that the Jews have been waiting for, it's actually God himself. And I've come down and I am the first and the last. 
So I think what some of what Revelation is, and it's important to understand, is John is writing this Revelation and saying, you know, Jesus came, you despised and rejected him. You said, we do not want this king to reign over us. Crucify him. You killed him, but God raised him from the dead. And now look at him. Now look at who Jesus is. He is high and lifted up. He is the king of kings. Look at him now. Look who Jesus is. All authority, all power is his. So you made a mistake. Now look and see who Jesus is. I don't watch many films. I'm not really a film lover. But uh, I think I got drawn into some film one, one time with Sean Connery. And he was a, an America, an English professor who had retired and he was a recluse living in his house and he never came out of his house. And he was a famous author and uh, uh, an old professor at the college. And these kids, students, decide that they will break into his house to see who he is because he's this weird guy who never comes out of his house and they've heard of him. And they break into his house and Sean Connery's there and chases them away and one of the students leaves his school bag. And he's got to go back and ask Sean Connery for his school bag. But Sean Connery doesn't open the door. He just opens his envelope and throws all these books out the envelope and the bag. And the guy opens up his jotter, his English jotter, and finds that it's all been corrected by Sean Connery. All the, the English, what, what he'd written. So he goes back and they, they become friends. And Sean Connery sees great potential in this young, young student. So he sits, sits him down one day and he says, now, write an essay. And the guy says, I've got no inspiration, I can't write an essay. He says, write, just start writing, the inspiration will come. And he goes, I've got no inspiration. So Sean Connery writes down uh, an opening sentence. And this guy types away and he finishes his essay. And uh, Sean Connery reads it and goes, it's brilliant. So when it comes to his final exam, this student submits the same essay. And the college think it's great. And then they say, but wait a minute. This opening sentence is from a famous book written by Sean Connery. You didn't give a quote, you know. You, you, you didn't say you'd used. This, is, this has been copied. This isn't your work. And he says it is. And he would refuse to say that he was friends with Sean Connery. So they said, you can't graduate. So the graduation day came and the student's there with his friends and uh, everyone's getting their awards and Sean Connery walks in and went, oh, the professor, he's come, why is he here? And he says, please, can I read a, a short story? And they said, yes, please, oh, we're amazed he's come out of his house. So he reads the short story and, and then the, 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 the other professor comes up and goes, that's the standard you should be aiming at. That's what we're looking for. You shouldn't look at this man. He, and he says, I didn't write it. It's a young student there. And I, I think that's what Revelation is, is saying here. Said so you refuse. Jesus came saying, "I am the first and the last," and you, and you don't believe him. He says, I, "I am God." You don't believe him. You crucified him. Now look at who he is. I think that's a lot of what Revelation is trying to trying to portray. Look who Jesus is now. But we're going to think three things about what it means when Jesus says, "I am." The Alpha and Omega. We've, we've touched on the first thing. Jesus is saying, I am the eternal God. I am the eternal God. I am the God who uh, existed, always has existed. I am He. I am the same one. When Moses went to Pharaoh, and he was called by God to go back to Egypt, and he'd grown up in Egypt, of course he'd grown up in the king's palace in, in Egypt for 40 years. Then he's, he's away for 40 years and, he, and God calls him to go back. And he says, well, you know, I didn't have much success when I was there. 
and when I go back, I mean, nobody listened to me before, nobody's going to listen to me again. And he says, uh, even if I go back and say, God sent me, they're going to say, well, it's not our God that sent you. We don't know who spoke to you. And he says, what will I say? And God said to him, say, I am that I am. Say, I am sent you. And this is God's name. It's I am. And when we come to the book of Hebrews, we find that again, the the book of Hebrews is interesting because it's dealing with some Christians who are turning away from Christ. These Christians have come from the background of being Jews. They've got all the promises of the coming of the Saviour. They've got all the promises of the Messiah. And they've they've realised the Messiah is Jesus. They believed in Jesus. And then they said, well, wait a minute, because, you know, there's special, special feast days. And, you know, the Passover was a great day. And, you know, the sacrifices that we did were great. And, you know, there's actually a lot of things that we did as Jews that we really liked. And they're turning away from Jesus and going back. And so the author writing to the Hebrews is writing and saying, don't go back. Because Jesus is so much greater. He's a better sacrifice. He's better than Moses. He's better than the angels. Don't go back. And so he writes in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8, he says, But to his son, that's Jesus, God speaking, But to his son, he says, Your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. So he's speaking to the son, he says, Your throne, O God. So the son is God. Jesus is God. From the very beginning in Hebrews, that's what the author is saying. And when we come to chapter 5, Verse number 5 says, In the same way, Christ did not take upon himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, You are my son, today I have become your father. And he says in another place, You're a priest forever. In the order of Melchizedek, he's a priest forever. He's eternal. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, the author says, For by that one offering he perfected forever all those whom he is making holy. So he's saying he's a better sacrifice, he's a better priest. He is God and he comes eventually, or she comes, whoever wrote Hebrews, comes to chapter 13. And what what do they say? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. So when Jesus says, I am the Alpha and Omega, he says, I am the eternal God. The God of the Old Testament, the God who spoke to the Jews, the God who made all the promises to the Jews, I am he, come in human flesh. The second thing we realize, and I think it's within this, because I think that's the, the main thing that Jesus is saying. Secondly, in this, Jesus being... The Alpha and Omega, or the A to Z, I say, Jesus is saying, I am everything that you need. Whatever you need in life, I am. What do you need? I am. That's my name, I am. And I am able to meet all your needs. Paul writing to the Colossians said, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. He is all God come in human flesh. And I think part
part of what Jesus is saying, I am the Alpha and Omega. He's saying, I am all you need. Whatever you need in life, I am here and I'm from the beginning to the end. And I will be with you from the beginning to, to the end. Through your whole life, I'll be with you from the beginning to the end. I won't start a job and then leave you halfway. And I won't come in at the end. It's not like Jesus is not like a substitute that comes on in the last five minutes just to run the clock down. Because you know you want to waste some time. That's not what Jesus did. From the beginning to the end, it's been Jesus. From creation until the end, it's Jesus. And he's going to be with us from the beginning to the end. He's not going to be with us until we're 50 or 70 or whatever. And then, says, then you're on your own. I'll be with you unless there's something I won't be with you then. He is with us. He is everything that we need. As I said, I, I, don't, uh, I don't like films that much. But uh, I do like uh, books. I read a fair bit of books. And... Uh, Audiobooks. I can't sleep at night. Stick on the audiobook, and hopefully uh, uh, I can listen to that, or it will put me to sleep. Uh, I don't know if you know Peter Williams, that was a pastor in Hebron. Peter is down at Tyndale House. I was speaking to him, and I said, Peter, sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and I look on on, on the social media, and you've just posted something at like three o'clock in the morning, something about the Greek language and the Hebrew language. And I said, How often do you sleep? He said, I'm an insomniac. He says, I don't sleep, and he says, I listen to the audio book and I, I listen to uh, the the Book of Mormon puts me to sleep. He says, <laughs> He says, the Book of Mormon puts me to sleep. He said, I was listening to the Bible in the Ukrainian language and the Polish language and the Romanian language trying to get me, to put me to sleep. But uh, I tried to listen to audiobooks and I listened to an audiobook and I really enjoyed it. And there was two young girls that left uh, uh, Ireland and went to America and the youngest of them fell pregnant and she said, I'm not going to get an abortion. I'll give birth and I'll give the child up for adoption. And so her oldest sister, although she didn't love her boyfriend, married her boyfriend and chose to adopt the child into their family. Then that family had other children. The younger sister decided that she'd become a nun. And then there was a split between the two sisters. And then this adopted son died in a road accident. And so one of the children phones the, the, the actual mother, the birth mother who's a nun and says you better come to the funeral and so this whole story builds up and none of the children know that the, 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 the brother was an adopted, uh, adopted son and then they, they don't know much about their, their aunt and their aunt's coming and the whole story builds up, the tension builds up and the, the, the aunt arrives and she comes in the door and the book finished oh, what was all that all about? And so for two, three weeks, it was, you know, from time to time, I'd stop and think, there must be a... Just thinking now, I'll go online and I'll say, somebody will know what the book's about and all I've written. So I'll go online and I'll look at all the reviews and say, it's a strange ending, that book. It really is weird, you know. And suddenly something sparked in my mind and I said, I'll go onto Amazon. I went on Amazon and you can open the book, you know, you can open the book. I read down the chapters, there were three chapters that weren't in the audiobook. They missed out three chapters at the end. <laughs> so I had to read these three chapters and I found out what the story was. Now that's not what Jesus does. He doesn't take us part of the way. That's no use to us. His sacrifice is complete forever what he did on the cross. It's what saves us. And he says, I will be with you from the start to the end. So I think him saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, he's saying part of it. I, 
I think the main thing he's saying is, I am the eternal God. But I think he's saying also, whatever you need at whatever time in your life, I am here and I am what you need. Are you weak? I am strong. Are you helpless? I will be with you. I am your helper. Paul says in the Philippians, my God will meet all your needs. How? According to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So it's in Christ Jesus that all our needs are met. And it's not out of his riches, it's according to his riches. Out of his riches he can give us very little. Be very, very rich and give us very, very little. But according to his riches, God is very, very rich. And he, he is very, uh, forgot the word we are, uh, he's generous, generous, he's very generous to us. What happens, uh, you forget English, sorry. But uh, God is very generous and he will give us and he meets all our needs in Christ Jesus. So I am the Alpha and Omega, Jesus is saying, I am the eternal God, come in flesh, I am he. He's also saying, I am all that you need, but I think there's something else here. And because it's at the end of Revelation, I think he's saying something else. And he's saying, I will win. I am the Alpha and Omega. I was there at creation. I'm there at the end. And I will see to it that my plan will come to fruition. And I think that when Jesus says, uh, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, he will build his church. He cannot fail. He will not fail. He can take people out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And Satan can do nothing about it because he has all authority in heaven and earth. And because his salvation is full, complete, he can take whoever he wants to salvation. And I think that part of what he's saying here is I will be successful. The church will be successful. The church will be built throughout the world. I will see to it because I am the Alpha and Omega. When I've started, I will finish. I will see to it. It may not look like that at times. And it may come about through persecution and suffering. And I think that is what will happen through persecution and suffering. It will happen. But I actually got a very positive outlook for the future. Because I look at some stories in the Bible and I say, well think of Joseph. Joseph got these dreams. And he obviously thought they were something special. He thought, well these dreams are from God. And he tells his brothers, and he tells his dad his dreams. And that doesn't go down well at all. As normally happens with brothers. And uh, he ends up being sold. And he ends up uh, with Potiphar. So it doesn't look at this point that the, the, the dreams are going to not going to be much happening with his dreams ends up in prison doesn't look like there's going to be much about his dream but in the end his dreams are fulfilled his brothers do come and his brothers do bow down to him or we can think about Moses going to Pharaoh as mentioned before you know he must have thought well I wasn't very successful the last time I was in Egypt so may not be successful again and he goes and Pharaoh says yes the people can go then keeps changing his mind Every time he changes his mind, no, they can't go. And it must, I would think Moses at some point must have said, oh, is he ever going to let the people go? But he let the people go. Or we can think of David, mentioned him this morning, you know, he didn't put in the job application to be king. 
And he ends up in a cave hiding and Saul's chasing him. And he's sleeping on rocks and he's, he's not comfortable. And he's miles from his home and he's probably not got the best of food or the best of conditions. And he, he's saying, who put me in this position? It was God who put me in this position. When will I ever be king? But he did become king. He became a very good king. Or even think about the disciples when Jesus was crucified. And they're in the upper room and they're full of fear. But then there was the resurrection. So always in the story we can look at things and say, well, it doesn't look like it's going to be fulfilled. And we can look at the world today and we can say, well, you know, is the church going to be successful? Or is the church going to start dying off? Or are we going to be going through more trouble than not? I, I'm very positive. I say, well, you know what? I think we may have more time uh, in the future and the church will be successful. The kingdom will grow and uh, Jesus will build his church. I'm, I, 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 I'm positive in my, my outlook because I am holding on to the promises as I see them of Jesus. And he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It has been one of the encouragements to us going through some difficult times in our church in Schroeder to think Jesus loves the church more than we love the church. And he said he would build his church. And what we discovered was going on in our church which wasn't good and we had no way of finding out what it was. He revealed it. It was like a tumour in our church that he has removed and we are, I said to someone today, we are in Woodend Hospital, we are recovering, <laughs> and hopefully we will be released at some point so that we can function as normal. But uh, I, uh, 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 a great encouragement to us has been the fact that Jesus is with us and promise I will be, be, be with you. I will not forsake you. And the idea uh, uh, to remember that Jesus said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And uh, to realise that he loves the church. So just thinking, just some thoughts there of Jesus as the Alpha and the Omega. He's the first, he's the last. He was involved in creation. He will be there at the end. He will judge the world and he, he will uh, welcome us into his eternal kingdom. And so uh, just some of those thoughts. He's the eternal God. He's everything that we need. And uh, he will do what he's promised to do, I believe. So those are just some of the thoughts on uh, Jesus being the Alpha and the Omega. And we can pray now. Thank you, Father, for your Son. And we thank you that it was a, a wonderful a plan of yours to send a saviour but uh, we, the people didn't realise that uh, you would come to be the saviour and you would become a man uh, your son would, be, would come and he would live amongst us and so he knows all that we've gone through and he has suffered and much worse than what we've suffered and uh, so he can be near us and he can comfort us and we are so thankful for him and we are thankful that he is the eternal God and that we have such a wonderful saviour and that he will build his church and so we pray for a blessing on the witness all these plans that we've been thinking about the community day and uh, different activities and uh, the Monday club restarting and, th and other things Father we pray that uh, uh, the promise of Jesus to build his church would include this area and this neighbourhood and there would be people who, would, uh, who uh, today don't know 
the Lord Jesus who maybe next year would be here and would be excited about the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, we just pray and ask that uh, you would bless this church and, and the outreach and the witness and we put our faith in the one who is the Alpha and Omega and we thank you for him in his name. Amen. Amen.